This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. I wanted to talk match with you guys. Obviously, Clyde Lawrence, the band, is blowing the hell up, and you guys are skyrocketing uh, meteorically. But this is a baseball show. We're talking baseball. Today. We're here. We're here to talk baseball. We can talk music another another time. This yeah, is my real. My whole career in music has just been a uh, my ploy to try to try to get on some sports talk radio uh, gigs. So and, I, and we did that a few months ago when you guys played House of Blues and sold out House of Blues, and that show was unbelievable. I did not expect the cha-cha slide in the middle of it. I definitely didn't expect that. It was a little sure. uncomfortable because I'm not much of a dancer. But we had you in. You were on the afternoon show, Parkinson Spiegel. It was, it was a great hit. Um, but I am missing baseball. And I didn't think that I would miss baseball. I talked about it the other day. I, on Sunday, literally sauteed onions in my kitchen for four hours. Like, honestly, I got one of the big bags of onions from Costco, sauteed in, in butter, just so that smell, like the ballpark smell, would oh, be it's the best. in my apartment. You guys are Mets fans. What are you missing right now? I think that, you know, I think that it's definitely the smell of the ballpark. But for me, it's honestly, we we do go to a lot of games. But for me, like just the feeling of whether it's like 7 p.m. on a weeknight or like 1 p.m. on a weekend, just like being able to have on the game. And honestly, it's the sound of Gary Carter, Keith Hernandez and Ron Darling's voices that to me, it's like. I define the timeline of my year around like, oh, it's spring training. Oh, it's like the part of the season where the Mets still have a chance. Like, oh, it's the part of the season where the Mets no longer have a chance. You know that. So like April. Yeah, like April. And then there's the part of May where they do a little better. And then and then by August or September, you kind of have it on just to have it on the background. But, you know no chance that's kind of how i know what what time of year it is you brought up ron darling linus how do you feel about ron darling i love ron darling i once went over to ron darling in port st lucie one year uh when we were there for a spring training game and i gave him a ball and i was like here please sign this i listen to everything you say on the broadcast i'm like a young pitcher i take every tip you give me and he was like well that's your first mistake (laughs) (laughs) i think he's a funny guy i like him i think he is unbelievably pompous and maybe I'm being out of town stupid and I'm sure I feel the same way about Ron Darling that a lot of people outside of Chicago felt about Hawk Harrelson it's like the he's obviously not as animated as Hawk was but there's something about Ron Darling whether it's on the national broadcast or whenever I pop over to the Mets on MLB TV that I just can't stand 
That's so funny. I, I love him. I think he's great. And I think that his, like, his, the way that he and Keith kind of, like, cut against each other with their different conversational styles, I think is great. I don't know. I, I guess I could understand where you're coming from because he speaks, he speaks in a very kind of um, intellectual way that's maybe a little bit outside the common vernacular of, like, the broadcaster rhetoric. Um but I don't know. I've always just thought he's like super clear and methodical and, and, and funny, but, but I also don't watch him in the context of the national broadcast that he does nearly as much as I do in the SNY. So maybe he plays a slightly different role. I think I'll, everyone doing the national broadcast is a, a little worse of an experience because they don't have like the same chemistry with each other that Gary, Keith and Ron have. Sure. Anyway. How was your uh, three months of Javi bias? Did you enjoy that? <laughs> Because it, as Chicago, I'm not a Cub fan, I'm a Sox fan, but watching Javi Baez, he's somebody who could either carry your team for two or three months at a time, or he could literally spiral you spiral you into the ground on his own in two weeks' time. Did you think you were going to hold on to him? I thought that they were going to re-sign him up until the whole thumbs-down thing happened. I don't yeah. think that there was any chance after like Sandy Alderson released that statement that they were going to bring him back, but... No, I mean, what you're talking about is definitely true. The Javi Baez experience of like striking out three times on a ball, a foot out of the, out of the zone and then hitting a like late home run. 450 like, foot shot. One, to left yeah. There. Like one, one for four with a huge home run and three horrible strikeouts. God, he's frustrating. Absolutely frustrating. It's just the most Mets thing though. I kind of thought they would keep him because it was like after that whole thumbs down thing, it's like, what? What team does he fit on more than the Mets? That's like the most Mets-ish thing for yet a new player. They immediately start booing the fans. Is there really a like negative dynamic between Mets and Yankees fans like there is between Cubs and Sox fans? I feel like it's not as amplified as it is here. I think that Mets fans – I think that the Mets fans hate the Yankees, but the Yankees fans don't really hate the Mets. It's like the Sox fans hating the Cubs because the Cubs have always been better. Right, exactly. Right? It's yeah. like, it's like the Yankees fans don't even don't. They're like, oh, that's cute, the Mets. That's how, that's kind of how I feel. So I, but it is like, I I don't know exactly what like the demographic or like, I think that it used to be more geographical. Like our dad, well, the reason we're Mets fans is because our dad grew up on Long Island, I guess, and there was a lot more Mets fans out there. But like. You know, in the high school that Linus and I both went to, uh, like, all my friends were big Yankee fans. Um, actually, ironically, the only other big Mets fan in my grade with me was Sarah Langs, who's now, like, crushing right. it. Um, and I'm so psyched and proud for her. Um, she was here for a while. She was in Chicago for a while. Oh, really? I think NBC yeah. Sports Chicago, yeah. That's. I mean, she's doing awesome, so she's clearly representing the – Dalton school class of 2011 Mets fan community. Well, um, but yeah, it was pretty much just me and her. And then like everyone was a Yankees fan. So I felt very much like the underdog, very much in the minority. Um, and so I think that that's why that dynamic was created. Linus, okay. who's your least favorite Yankee? Ooh, my least favorite Yankee. Um, well, I, I know who my favorite Yankee is and it's Gary Sanchez. Cause he's every Yankees fans least favorite Yankee. <laughs> Yeah, he um, sucks. I, I always make sure to get him and Stanton on my fantasy teams. Okay. Because I know that 
they're the two Yankees that even Yankee fans are kind of rooting against in some weird twisted way. Um, so those are definitely the ones I, I root for the most just because for some reason their success just makes Yankees fans even more angry. Obviously the White Sox came on top, came out on top in that the, uh, the corn game as Tony La Russa calls it the field of dreams game with the Tim Anderson late, late was run, but yeah, it was incredible. Right. But I have that Giancarlo Stanton home run, that line drive shot to left field just burned into my memory as the most debilitating, depressing thing of that game. I cannot stand that guy. Absolutely cannot stand him. He's incredible. I don't know that much about his – I don't know their personalities as much. Like, it seems like Judge has a ton of, like, personality. I don't – I don't know. Maybe it's just because I've been like slightly less tapped in, but like, I feel like I don't know what Stanton's like vibe is publicly as much. I always my least favorite Yankee, not current, but just like historically, definitely a Rod. I'm a big oh. anti anti a Rod guy. Can Probably. you believe he's getting his own like Manning cast type broadcast for baseball? Yeah, Can you believe crazy. that? With Michael yeah, Pickford. and as much as I disliked him as a player, I dislike him even more as a oh, He's so bad. He's such a bad broadcaster. Yeah. The best uh, was that thing you said about, like, even leads. Like, you always want to have an even lead lately. Yeah. <laughs> Our favorite we, – we played as a drop on the show all, uh, all the time. It was um, – speaking of – God, speaking of iPads, I bet you're a Steelers fan. Like the, the, the things that he connects make no sense whatsoever. There was like a speaking of windows um, and, and then it, to, to a, a subject that made absolutely no sense at all. Like Yogi Berra without the wisdom. Oh my God. And without the humor, he's not funny. Yeah. He's not funny. What's your favorite baseball memory growing up? Like being in the same city and within public transit distance to go watch your team. I know growing up, both of you, in recent memory, and Clyde, you and I are about the same age, there aren't a lot of positive Mets memories, but baseball memories. What, what, what do you look back fondly on? I mean, I think 2006 was a really, really fun year. I mean, that's the closest that I ever felt to having a championship team. Like, And they just were, I think, the best team in baseball that year. And that was like – that hit me at the perfect time. I think I was in seventh grade. Um and I just – I must have gone to, you know, 25, 30 games that year. And that was just an incredible year. Like, I think that they had – I mean, Linus would maybe know, but, like, the number of walk-offs that they had that year was crazy. Yeah, it was like 10 or something. Yeah. And, like, Beltron, and it was the early days of Reyes and Wright. So, I think that just, like, that season was, like, really magical. I really couldn't believe it when they – when they lost when we were in that we were in the house that night with the Andy Chavez catch and everything and I just remember like just like thinking that it wasn't even real when they when they when they didn't win because they just seemed destined to win so up until the moment that they lost I think that that was like the most magical magical memories of Mets fanhood for me and also they lost to the like 83 win Cardinals and they had the best record in the National League, which made it so much more, like, so much more painful, I'm assuming, for you. I don't really remember. But. <laughs> Linus fills in the gaps for me. And then Linus and I had some great times in 2015. We went to tons of games together, and 
that whole Cespedes run at the end of the season was great. And we went to, we went, Linus and I went to the World, Linus and I were there in the World Series when they lost the final game. Linus, you should tell them about how you were so confident that they should take Harvey out. Well, it, it ties into what I was going to say is my sort of favorite childhood memory, which is like you talked about something hitting you at the perfect time. For me, it was the whole rise of Harvey and the dark debate in the 2013 stuff, which I think kind of gets looked over now, especially given, especially right now, given yeah. the stuff that's just come out about Harvey. But I mean, like as a, as a young kid and a Mets fan who basically had like nothing to root for from 2009 through 12, like Harvey just bursting onto the scene. It was like, I don't care if the Yankees win the world series this year and the Mets are in last place. Like we have this one guy and he's our guy. And like, none of you can do anything about it. Like you can't touch this guy. Um, that was just such a, an epic feeling. Um, and like every five days, it was just a totally different vibe in like the ballpark, but also just like walking around, you'd see more Mets hats um, and more Mets shirts, like when it was a Harvey day. Um, but yeah, the, no, then in 2015 at the, at the world series game, I was uh, very firm in my belief that they should have taken Matt Harvey out for Jerry's Familia in the ninth of game five and they didn't and they lost and i was right i was the only person in that stadium not standing and chanting harvey i was the biggest harvey fan in that stadium but i was the only one not standing up and it was incredible he was how old were you then like you like 12 years old i was 11 yeah and i was linus like despite loving harvey when he was trying to come back out for the ninth linus was just like nope they shouldn't bring him out you had a feeling i just knew that he he, there are some pitchers who, like, going into the ninth, you just trust they're going to still have it. I feel that way about DeGrom. Yeah. He just was never one of those guys. He had never been pushed to that point. Um, and when he gets above 100 pitches in his career, you can go look at the numbers prior to that. He was not – he just didn't have the same stamina. It, it's like, uh, like Lance Lynn for us on the south side. Like, no matter what, you know that Lance Lynn's going to go out there and he calls himself uh... – a, a, a big fat bastard. You just know that that big fat bastard is going to go out there and give you every single ounce. Matt Harvey didn't have that. He didn't have yeah, and, dog gene, I don't think. And also part of it is that Jerry's familia still gets so much blame for that postseason that I think is so unfair. I think people sometimes confuse it with 2016 when he gave up the three run home run in the wild card game. But I mean, of the three, I think he blew three saves that postseason. The first one was legitimately his fault. He gave up a home run to Alex Gordon. The second one, a ball went through Daniel Murphy's legs. That was really Daniel Murphy's fault. And the third one was game five when he came in with runners already on and the lead had already been cut to one. Does it count as a blown save if you inherit the runners that uh, score the tying runs? I don't think it counts as a blown save. I think it just counts as a loss. Right. He No, he did. He did blow three saves in the World Series, so – um, he might have let on the runner that I'm not sure, but I'm looking it up now. I'm trying to remember, but yeah. I have an incredible video from that night, right when the Mets finally did lose, where you, from my seat, you see the Royals all running on the field to celebrate. And then I pan over to Linus, 11 year old Linus, and he's just like on the verge of tears. And it's really like an incredible video for anyone that is a sports fan or who isn't a sports fan of just like seeing this 11 year old dreams just be shattered. And it's just like the most incredible heartbreaking video. I'll, I'll send it to you, but it's like, 
I really cherish it, but it also makes me very sad. What was that like experiencing that together? You always have this one shared experience or this one shared interest that you both love so much. It's great. I mean, it's, I think it's, that's what baseball is all about. That's like, it's such a special, special thing that we were able to do that. And like, that's, what's fun about it is that even when the Mets suck, it's fun to share that, you know, I'm sure that Cubs fans know that from a lifelong of, you know, waiting for them to finally win. Like there's as much camaraderie in that as there is in winning. Yeah. I mean, I think the, probably the two moments that most stand out to me of just like being a baseball fan. One is the train ride back from city field that night with Clyde, where it was almost like, I feel like it was like the first moment when you taught me like a life lesson of any sort, you were like just trying to get me to comprehend what had happened. Cause I was so sad. Um, and then the second moment was recently, uh, this past summer, the first game that me and Clyde went to with our dad since the pandemic. So the first game we, that was crazy years. And it was this epic game where they won DeGrom pitched, but it was a classic 2021 DeGrom game where he like came out in the sixth inning because he felt something, you know, pinching in his, you know, shoulder or whatever. Uh, and they finally won. And it was just this awesome moment where it was like the first wasn't the con- Am I mixing it up? It wasn't the Conforto uh, hit by pitch game. That no, was- that was the first game me and you were at. Um that was also crazy. But the first game that we were at with dad was the one where yeah. DeGrom got like taken out. Uh, it was against the Padres, I think. Tell White Sox fans about Michael Conforto, though, because he's a, he's a major target for them right now to fill the absolute barren right field that they have. You like Conforto? I love Conforto. I mean, I think Conforto has gotten overlooked over the years because he hasn't had that, like, monster season that a lot of players of his caliber have. He hasn't had the season where he's in, like, or even really near the MVP discussion. Um, but he has been an all-star in 2020. If there was an all-star game, he definitely would have been an all-star again. So he really should be a two-time all-star. Um, and he's just a super well-rounded player. Um, he's basically very underrated like, fielder. Yeah, very underrated fielder. He's basically like a five-tool player who's not as good as all the five-tool players you hear about. But in an odd way, if he had a less balanced sort of repertoire of things he could do, you might hear about him more. So working in sports radio and working in professional sports, what you guys do is kind of my escape. Like when I go home, I don't, I mean, I I have to turn the bulls on or whatever. I have to turn something on in the background, but like I mute it and I'm blasting music and I'm cooking dinner. And it's how I separate myself from the, the nine to five of having to focus on the opposite for us. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So is sports your, escape from music like do you have to find time to separate the two and not think about music whatsoever and just dive into those met sporkle quizzes and just this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house and owning it. Having an advocate who can help you navigate negotiations, timelines, inspections, and more can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Completely escape. A hundred percent, yeah. I mean, that's definitely how I feel is like, you know, I don't know if you're referencing Sporkle quizzes because there's a very known video among our band's fan base where... Uh, there's like a behind the scenes documentary. About- yeah, we used that sparkle cut when uh, we made your open when you came out. That's with right. That. That's yeah. right. Yeah, there's like yep. a video behind the scenes of a run up to uh, what at the time was our like biggest show ever, and uh, and in the behind the scenes you see me and Linus on the morning of the show just doing Met sparkle quizzes, and I definitely think that's like a way that I just kind of like find a sort of like calm and uh, just an escape. And even like when I'm working, it just gives structure to my day. If there's like a game on at seven, not that I'm going to like stop work for the day, but just like help structure, help structure my day. Even dating back to when I was in college, like Linus is now, it just is like such structure to your day to like, know that you have that to kind of like work around, whether you're going to watch the game or not. It's something to look forward to. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I've got White Sox season tickets and like knowing that, you know, I, I work 15 minutes from the park on the red line, knowing that all right, show's going to be over at six and I could just jump on the red line, go watch four or five innings, six innings in 75 degree, beautiful Chicago night, and then just take the red line right home. It's ritualistic. Yeah, totally. Do they still have that thing? I mean, I guess if they wouldn't with the same player, but I remember when we went to the White Sox stadium, because Linus and I and our family tried to do, um, like, try to see as many stadiums as we could, and we got. I was, I was far too young to to remember any of this, but right, I, w- I I think we got through like eighteen of them or something. But now, of course, a bunch of them have turned over, and now we're down to like twelve. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, when we went to the White Sox stadium, they had this thing where you could race against Scott Pudsednik, <laughs> just to show the just to date. When it was that we went, it must have been in like 2008 or something. But there was like a, like a motorized, uh, almost like cardboard cutout of Scott Pudsednik. And you would like line up and then they would say go. And then you would race and it would like be on this track alongside you. And Was that be- on the, like the raised deck in left field? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah that, that's still up there. I don't think it's pods anymore. I think they switched it out to Luis Robert last year. But right. that feature is still there. I wonder if they change the speed of it based on who they haven't modeled after. That I mean, it, it, I don't know if that machine can go as fast as Luis Robert runs. Right. You know? right. Yeah. I, I have a question for you, if, given you're a White Sox fan. Yeah. One of my favorite young players in the league who I made us draft in me and Clyde's uh, fantasy league, I think. with our Yeah, Linus team. and I co-own a fantasy baseball Love team. Love that. With our literal last pick, we took Nick Madrigal, um, who I just absolutely love. And I can't because he was traded to the Cubs, right? Yeah. I just yeah. can't imagine what that must be like. 
because I I love Nick Madrigal. So I mean, if, you, if someone like that was traded to the Yankees, I. So here's what you're going to get from Nick Madrigal. And I loved it in the moment because Craig Kimbrell should have been much different than the, the Craig Kimbrell the White Sox got. And that was totally Tony LaRusso's fault. And he screwed with them completely. He only pitched, he only appeared the ninth inning three times out of like 29 appearances or something like that. And I understand like Liam Hendricks is maybe the best closer in the American League. And you don't want to mess with that. But Kimbrell came in and Hendricks is like right away. I got no, you pitch me wherever I want. I mean, wherever you want. Kimbrell very much has that closer mentality where you've got to be in the ninth or you're not going to feel the same way. Coming in the eighth is different than coming in the ninth. So I was fine seeing Madrigal go because we call him slappy here. Not many, like the, 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 the polar opposites of people who like Nick Madrigal and those who don't, it's split right down the middle. What you're going to get from Nick Madrigal is like two singles, maybe three singles, maybe a double here and there. He's got not even warning track power. You're never going to remember what Nick Madrigal did for you, but he's going to be on base two or three times. He was, he was pitched as like the next Dustin Pedroia, going to hit 18, 19, 20 home runs. That guy didn't hit the ball farther than 320 feet more than one time in the minor leagues. I, I, I understand your love for Nick Madrigal because he's like a grindy baseball player. I love but those guys. Those yeah. are my guys, the David Eckstein's, the Andy Chavez. Craig Biggio, guys like that, yeah. So you think he's more of a David Fletcher type? In well, I think David Fletcher is better than Nick Madrigal. Like, I love David Fletcher it, 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 and, and what, what he can do. I think he's better than Nick Madrigal. Yeah, I feel like Nick Madrigal was always good for, like, two to three fantasy points a day for us, Linus. Yeah, no, he, he would never get a zero. He makes contact for sure, but it's just – it's not – I like a sexy player, and he's not – like, there's nothing sexy about Nick Madrigal, you know? That's fair. That's fair. Just a couple music things. Don't Lose Sight just went over a million views on YouTube, the acoustic version, which, yeah. by the way, the, the arrangement is unbelievable, and I can't even listen to the studio version anymore. The studio version is completely ruined for me. Like, <laughs> and even with all the powerhouse voices and uh, Veronica from Melt, she's unbelievable. She's crazy good, and I know yeah. they're blowing up somewhat similarly to you guys, and they'll be there soon too. But, Linus, your harmony on that acoustic version Honest to God, maybe not the power of everyone else, but for some reason, like the, the dynamic between you and Gracie, you can just feel that harmony so much stronger than the rest of them. What was it like for you to be in that that massive room with these guys? Oh, man. I mean, it was so fun. I mean, I I absolutely love music and I specifically love vocal music. Like mo most of the music I listen to is very harmony based and getting to I do a lot of like singing at school, acapella and chorus stuff, but I mean, it's like nothing compared to being in that room with all of those singers and doing one of Clyde's arrangements. Um, I mean, Clyde beforehand also lets me look at his huge, crazy spreadsheet, which probably would look to you more like a like stat sheet for a baseball sure. player than it would like anything musical. Um, Cause that's the way he thinks about it. Um, and it, it was just a total blast singing, singing that bass part with all those people. I, I felt so honored to be there because those are like the best singers you're going to get in that room to sing that song. Um, and being included in that was so awesome. Such an awesome experience. Clyde, what's it like doing it as a, as a family? Like this, I, I've used the word meteoric already, but this, it, honest to God, it's a meteoric rise with your family. 
Yeah, it's it's really exciting. I mean, I think that we've always been something of a of a family business because, you know, we grew up in a household where my dad is a writer director and he was always so inclusive and genuinely like begging for people's opinions and feedback on stuff he was working on. So it just felt very natural that from a young age when I was, you know, five years old or even, you know, when I was 15 and then Linus was five, you know, he was always really genuinely asking people to read or watch things he was working on, give him their opinions. He really valued our opinions and still does. And, you know, I've contributed a lot of work to his stuff. So, you know, the idea of having like work collaborations with your family at a high level was something that I think just like seemed more normal to me than it probably did to a lot of other people. Um, but at the same time to then be able to go and with Gracie kind of run with it in the band and achieve some success with it in our own right in a family way where we're still doing the same things of playing all of the music or showing all of the videos to everyone in the family and getting all of their feedback and being able to include Linus, who's an excellent musician and singer in his own right, is is definitely really fun. So I think it's like really awesome and a dream come true. But at the same time, I think it's probably less foreign for all of us than it would be for other people because it's just sort of naturally how we grew up doing it. I love the stuff with uh, with Scary Pockets. I love the like. I can't stop listening to the Me and Julio down by the schoolyard. The the, the one that you did. I can't yeah. stop listening mm-hmm. to that that arrangement. But what's the dream collab? The absolute dream collab. That's a great question. I'm not sure. I mean, we've been so lucky enough to either tour with, record with, or become friends with. Um, so many of the people that would have been the answers to that question, you know, five years ago from, from John Bellion to Lake Street Dive to Wolf Peck to Jacob Collier. Um, there's just been so many people that we've been so lucky to cross paths with in one way or another already. I mean, I think a lot of my answers would be like, more old school people like you know if i could get in the room with someone like stevie wonder or um you know even randy newman or something like that would be really really awesome i actually did get the chance to literally spend some time with randy newman once but we didn't actually like collaborate on anything i think of, of like modern artists i really love this artist pj morton i think he's like so incredible um and I would love to do something, something with him. I think that our, the crossover between our fans would uh, be really cool. Oh, another artist is Brass Tracks that we've collaborated yeah. with, who like five years ago would have been one of my answers to who I would like to collaborate with. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Linus, I think I, think I could guess your, your dream collaboration. Uh, well, Modern, my dream collaboration would definitely be Jacob Collier, who you've not yet actually like written a song with um yeah you know, although you there. you technically have a potential uh collaboration with him in some regard coming oh up. that is true i forgot about that um 
But yes, no, you can definitely guess who my all-time collaboration with you would be. Though I don't exactly see how it would happen. But who is yeah. it? Go for it, Clyde. <laughs> Linus is a is a diehard diehard. Imagine how big a Mets fan Linus is. You can multiply that by a couple times to get how big of a Beach Boys fan he is. Really? Like, like yeah, a it's, it's surprising. Yeah. Fanatic. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, Brian Wilson's still around. He is. He is. Let's He's get you to recreate Pet Sounds with Brian Wilson. Yeah, sir. I literally just listened to Pet Sounds with some friends last night. Um, yeah, no. I I uh, I almost one of the first things I did when I was getting to college was there was a Brian Wilson show in uh, like right outside Boston in the beginning of October, and I would just keep finding people and I'd be like, Hey, you're you seem cool and like music. Do you want to go to a Brian Wilson show with me in a couple of weeks? Um, but I didn't end up end up meeting any any other real Beach Boys fans who are as into it as I was um, in time to go. But I'm hoping if he ever if he ever swings around the Northeast again, and I'll be able to go. I think we should get like a collaboration between Linus Brian Wilson and Brian Wilson the pitcher. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Will now be a true a true final meeting. What happened to him, time. man? Talk about like a two or three hit wonder <laughs> when he was in San Francisco. That guy's a badass. Yeah, I, I liked him a lot. What's the – I'm going to get you out of here. What's the what's the goal here? What's the vision for Lawrence? I mean, I think that you're totally right. I think that we've been kind of building this very grassroots cult, what you might call a cult following for years now, where, um, you know, we had a really strong base of fans. But I think what you're responding to is the fact that over the last six months or so, like a mainstream sort of thing, yeah. a lot of that is TikTok. A lot of that is um, the fact that Don't Lose Sight is like having more of a mainstream moment than other things I've ever had in terms of being featured in this big Microsoft commercial that was got a ton of airplay, especially in the sports world. And the fact that the song is starting to get significant uh, radio play. Um and so I think it's really cool. I think that from our perspective, our goal has always just been, there's never been like a, like we, we need to play this venue by this time or we need to break this level on the charts or whatever. For us, it's always just been like making the music that we want to make, being proud of the music that we make and how we present ourselves and just taking that as far as it can go. So like, you know, within the context of not, ever compromising on any of the things that are really important to us becoming as big and known and, you know, because, you know, the more fans you have, the more fun stuff you can do with them and the more cool engagement you can do with them and just keep growing this kind of community. So I, I don't have a great specific answer, but it's just That's okay. growing up as big as possible while keeping the core goal of making the music we want to make what is it for you, Linus? Is it music or am I going to be your executive producer one day? Wow. You know, that's a great question. Cause when you're asking that question earlier about, you know, is, is baseball, the, is our is sports sort of the distraction from music? I was like, well, I think kind of both are true for me when I'm working on, uh, I do a lot of like sports writing stuff when I'm working on that. I'm like, Oh, I just need to go listen to some music. Yeah. Um, when I'm working with Clyde or writing songs or whatever, I'm like, Oh, just let me turn on, turn on the Mets game. Um, so I'm, I'm not exactly sure, but, uh, in terms of watching what's going on with the band, it's just a crazy experience for me getting to be along, along for the ride with them a little bit. 
uh, they're not that unlike your White Sox of a few years ago, trying to, you know, build upon their young core and uh, hopefully one day win it all. Um, so, yeah. I love that. I'll see you guys in Chicago soon, right? Absolutely. Yeah, we'll, we'll be announcing some new Chicago uh, Chicago plays very, very soon, maybe even by the time this is out, depending right. on when it. Maybe I'll meet up with uh, Marcus Stroman again and find out why he why he left the Mets for real. Dude, he's after a wackadoodle, all, that all Marcus Stroman. Yeah, <laughs> he's. I mean, I think Cubs fans are just starting to see it. Yesterday on Twitter, he's calling Rob Manfred Rob Man Clown or Clown Freight or something Man like that. Rob, yeah, yeah, he's he's a wackadoodle. Guys, thank you very much for taking this time and uh, uh, fun conversation. Absolutely, thanks for thank having you. us. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you.